This morning, uh, we begin a news, a new series of messages. And if you're newer with us uh, today, uh, we, we will, some, many times we'll do our sermon series over a series of messages leading up to a specific date or specific time. And uh, this beginning this morning begins our sort of leading up to Easter Sunday. And as we lead up to Easter Sunday, um, we begin a series of messages uh, we've entitled uh, um, The Words from the Cross. And uh, the words from the cross have often been preached and used as a theme for centuries, actually, uh, in churches. And they focus on the seven last words or the seven last sayings of Christ during the actual crucifixion event in the end of, of, of each of the Gospels. So we're, we're going to be looking at those words from the cross, and some of them, uh, yes, said by Jesus, some of them said by some of the other, uh, the two thieves on the cross to Jesus, and Jesus' response there. So there's going to be a little bit of interaction of different uh, messages there as we, we start this series off this morning. And uh, this morning when we, we're starting the, the first words from the cross, and we're taking those from uh, Luke, uh, the... Uh, uh, 23rd chapter, and Jesus says the words there, Jesus, uh, Father, forgive them, uh, for they know not what they are doing. And um, as, we, as, we look at, as we look at that section, that, that's the focus that we're looking on, the words, first words that Jesus said on the cross, uh, as, the, in, as the crucifixion now has already begun, and he's already gone through the trials and all night trials, and he's, he's, he, he is, on the, is on the cross there. And uh, it's kind of interesting when you, when you read this, this uh, verses there, it says when Jesus is, apparently has is, is already been attached to the cross, and he said, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Um, there, there are actually uh, four different kinds of crosses that the Romans used. They, they were, the, the number of executions of, of crucifixions by the Romans is astronomical. It's huge, huge number. And there, there is the, the traditional cross that we, we think of as sort of the one over our baptistry, which is sort of the small T cross. And then there's the top, capital T cross where the, where the cross section is all the way to the top. And then there is the, uh, later there is the, the X cross, uh, that, that was used by the Romans. And then the real simple one, when they were on the road and really busy and didn't have a lot of time to really give a first-class execution, they just uh, got a straight piece of wood in the ground and attached it to the straight piece of wood. Uh, the, probably what we mostly see in like the Passion of the Christ, we see, we see the, the, the small T cross, and we used to see it quite high and uplifted. Although there's a lot of research shows that most of the time the small T cross was rather low to the ground. We don't usually see that, maybe only about 18 inches above the ground before the person's foot was actually there. In fact, I was shaving a few weeks ago, and of, of all things on the news, they cover a new finding in England during Roman occupation of a crucified person. And uh, and, and it's, it goes, essentially, it's better the, the method of the small cross. And usually the small cross was done 18 inches. And usually in sort of the usually straightforward cross, which is more artistic for Hollywood, but usually it was sideways and a pin was driven both through both heels through the cross. And then the cross piece was like this. And usually it was just small enough. You ever notice how hard it is to squat like that over a few hours? 
And Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. So the topic is forgive, forgiveness. It's tough work. I think it's interesting, as Luke gives that scripture there, and as soon as he ends the word, Luke goes on and says, and they divided up his clothing. Now, the last words are often very important to us in our lives. We focus on last words a lot. We, want, we ask the question, what was the last thing that she said? What was the last thing that she did? What was the last thing he said? We, we, we hang on those. And Hollywood makes a big drama of last moments. When the cowboy that's been shot 50 times is still talking. <laughs> you know, his last words. Most last words, there are none. Head of hospice says they really don't say much as you understand. And most folks' last words don't end by closing their eyes. What Jesus said on the last words are important for us to read and study and know, but no more important than all the words that Jesus spoke. And his last words were just, especially this one, is what he's been saying for three and a half years. Father, help them to find forgiveness. He's consistently the same at the end that he was when he started his message. All the way through. So the last words of Jesus, if we look at them, we're just going to go deeper into the life of Christ. So this morning, as I look at the words forgiveness here, and, and I'm going to, I'm not just sure why I, I got the call here to be the first one on this subject. Maybe the staff thought, since I've had a, I've had a lot of reasons in my life to receive forgiveness, I don't know a lot about it, <laughs> or I've had a lot of need to give it. But it's hard. And I know that many of you, if not everyone in this room, has had to reach down deeply and forgive. I know it's not easy. Next slide here is 1 Corinthians 13, 5, and I talked to Eli this morning, so Eli and I don't do this every, every Sunday, so we have to kind of coordinate this together here. But love does not keep a record of wrong that others do. And this comes from the love chapter. Uh, it's called the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. It's really big and popular at marriages, at weddings, rather. And uh, it's not really popular in marriage, but it's really good weddings, really popular in weddings, it's really big at weddings. And uh, it, it lasts, at least the honeymoon, most generally. But, uh, but the interesting thing about this, one of the hardest things for love to do is forgive. 
And the couples that stay married the longest are the ones that figured out how to do that best and do it consistently. And I'll tell you, it's not pretty. But they do it. They do it. That makes the difference. The single most difficult thing to do, because forgiveness is connected to love, and they go together. They have to go together. They have to go together in a marriage, and they have to go together in a church, and they have to go together in any and every and all relationships if you're going to have one. So I'm going to take a look. I'm going to kind of do a quick breakdown here this morning of what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not, it is not conditional. It's not, well, I will forgive you if. There's no ifs. It, it, it's, 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 it, it's, it isn't conditional. Now, the, I'm going to go through a few scriptures here, but I want you to know that this scripture comes from the fifth, the, excuse me, the sixth chapter of Matthew. Now, the reason why that is, give you a big picture run out here. The sixth chapter of Matthew is the, is the center of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is, is the introductory material, the longest single discussion of dissertation of Christ in the whole Gospels. It is the introduction saying to his, he's rolling out this grand introduction to his earthly ministry three and a half years before the cross and he's saying there I want you to understand that inside the first chapter talks about the the blessed the, the beatitudes but that sixth chapter talks about how you live life the daily nitty-gritties of life and some of the questions come up how you and not only how you live it but how you live it inside your gut how you live it inside your heart where nobody else sees you, but you know you. So when he gives that, he says, Father, forgive us our debts. Now that might be a little interesting, or a little bring you back, remind, this is, this is the section that's called the Lord's Prayer. That of all the things that I find that people can have some memory of, is this one. Father, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, I, I, looked at this trans, I looked at a number of versions, and they use the word debtors here. Word is generous. <laughs> we get stuck on fancy words. Our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive me... Now, here is God's conditional clause. not ours. We don't have condition. He does. Now the big difference is he's God and we're not. Okay, that's, a, that's important for you to grasp in life. And he says, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not, this is Jesus speaking, if, if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. That's the terms with God. Now, 
for you can now I, I I can forgive I can forgive Greg's sin against me. It's not gonna do I mean we can work it out, but that's not gonna send him to heaven. Because I'm not God. But what it does do between you, me, and Greg, it opens a channel of relationship. And that is exactly what God wants to accomplish between myself and Greg, is keep a channel of relationship open. Forgiveness shuts it down. Now, let me toss this out right quick before I forget this. The word forgiveness, this, the simplest definition of forgiveness is release. It, it, it appears many times in the New Testament. Forgiveness, the word is release, to let go. When, uh, uh, Andrew and, and, and uh, uh, Peter left their nets. The word there is the word release. They released their nets and went away. Release and go away. So God is asking us to do that. So it opens up a channel of communication. It pleases God because see, that's the condition. And it opens up hope for the relationship. It's getting out of the way so God can get his work done. Now, another thing here, it is forgiveness is, is not minimizing the seriousness of an offense. Now, Matthew 18, there's bunches of scriptures on, on sections of forgiveness. Matthew 18, 7, Jesus says, and you know, he would just tell the truth. He says, such things must come. And he goes on to the big discussion on offenses. Here's the clue. Here's the key. You will be offended. Anybody not been offended in this room? Anybody not had hurt feelings in this room? If you haven't, I have a guarantee for you. You will. You will be hurt. Jesus says that, 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 that we will be offended and there's no way, way around it. Your brother has something against you. In Matthew 5 here, again, in Matthew 6 and Matthew 5, he's talking about life application as a Christian. Not just when Jesus is there, but now when Jesus is here. Life application. Your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there in the front of the altar. Now, now one of the things I'm, I didn't quite make clear, I don't think, is that I'm talking about forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of, a, of an offense. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation. I would say probably 99.99% of you have. Have you ever hurt somebody's feelings and didn't know it? Of course we have. I specialize in that. <laughs> you know, and, 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 usually, and usually the first thing that bubbles up is, get over it, man. 
are you just a little sissy? Buck up! What's, what's wrong with you? You're so touchy! But we get that done. And so the offense here, and Jesus says, if your brother has something against you, and let's tell the truth, sooner or later, even dense people begin to sense there's something not right between us. You ever get that? Most of the guys get it. The ladies get it seem sooner, a little more relational. Give most guys six or seven months, they'll figure out what happened six or seven months ago. But, 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 he, but he says here, if someone has something against you, you can go and ask them. You can approach them and, and say, well, what, what is it? You know, I, I, just, I just don't feel like our relationship is working quite the best. Is there some way we could, we could, we could, is there something that maybe I don't understand? Could you help me? And it's really important for you to tell the truth then. And be able to step up and say, well, yes, there's something that's come between us that I need to share and be able to do. And he says, then leave your gift at the altar. Don't do religious stuff. Leave your gift at the altar, roll up your sleeves, and wade into the relationship. I know how, I, I, can, I can give you all kinds of good, you can say, well, it happened a long time ago. I wonder why they still feel that way. Must have been pretty deep. <coughs> Believe your gift at the altar and first go. In Greek, the word go means go. <laughs> Don't put it off. That just gives more ground to Satan and to allow you more rationalization why it wasn't your fault. At least clear the air. Go and be reconciled to your brother, then come off of your gift. He's not saying don't do something, don't pray, don't connect with Christ, don't connect with the Word, don't work through this spiritually with the Word of God, but it does mean don't just stop there. Engage in a person's life. Next thought here is what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not resuming a relationship without changes. Now I'm going to launch into some deep water here. So this is a dialogue that takes place in the book of Acts between uh, uh, um, Barnabas and Paul. There's a, a riff happens going out on the mission field, and the riff goes like this. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, the gospel writer Mark, apparently a young man. He wanted to take John Mark with him, but Paul did not think it wise. He had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Now, you, you kind of wonder, when, when Dr. Luke wrote this, He's underscoring a few things here. He deserted and he didn't continue. That's kind of about the same thing there. <laughs> underscore, underscore. This kid's a queer. He left us high and dry. We were, we were under a lot of pressure and he walked out. 
He, he didn't care. And we were desperate for his companionship and we needed him and he walked away. But in 2 Timothy 4.11, which is the last book of Paul writes, just before he loses his head, this is a little curious. Paul says, only Luke is with me. <laughs> Maybe all he could say was, get a booster, get a booster, I don't know. He says, only Luke is with me. Dr. Luke, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in ministry. So John Mark changed John Mark grew. John Mark matured. John Mark became useful and productive. And you could lean on him. And you could lean on him in a Roman prison because he was going to get there and he was going to carry the load. There is a difference between Restoring a relationship of offense or hurt and forgiveness. Several texts, and we'll go into that. Demonstrating genuine repentance must demonstrate genuine sorrow. And genuine repentance must demonstrate restitution. There's other significant scriptures we go into in quite detail that you sometimes you need to put your money where your heart is or put your time there or your effort or your sweat in rebuilding that relationship. And offenders must rebuild trust in proving they have changed over time. Just use this as an example. It could be multiple things. You fill in the blank here. An abusive spouse batters his wife or husband and does it repeatedly over and over until the family and spouse says no more. You're harming me, you're harming the family, you're harming the children, you're out of here. So that person comes back and says, I'm sorry, I'm ashamed of what I've done, please forgive me, will you forgive me? Jesus is, the, the, that Jesus' way is to forgive, it, 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 but it doesn't mean that that person can just return home without change. And healthy forgiveness invests in cleaning up and doing the things to demonstrate heartfelt transformation. If you want another tougher scripture, go to Matthew 18, and Matthew 18 wraps it up like this. See, you, Jesus uses uh, an illustration there that talks about forgiveness. And we'll talk about that in just a second as we close here. Forgiveness is not forgetting uh, what, uh, what happened. Now, th this is a little, I, I think, a hopeful thing here. 
you've heard it to say, forget and forgive. I know people that have perfect memories about things that happened to them that hurt them 25 years ago, 50 years ago. There's nations that remember what happened to their nation when they were invaded 100 years ago and are still carrying that hatred. The deeper the hurt, the more impactful it goes into our memories. And especially when we're young, young and, and, and children, the deeper that hurt happens, it penetrates deep into that child's memory. Some traumatic injuries, post-traumatic injuries, trauma that takes place. 75, 80 years ago, when soldiers came back from the World War in Europe, you could call it shell shock. PTSD today. Traumatic injuries go deep into our souls, into our minds. And, and, and it's not, it's a, I still remember, so it's still there. The book of Romans says, We know that in all things God works together for good that loves Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Now, being called according to His purpose is becoming that conduit for healthy relationship. And this chapter 8 is a part of the sequel of Romans 6, 7, and 8. And eight is the climax of the joy of, of coming to Christ. Not because you came and you, re, and you stayed perfect, but because you worked through all the stuff according to God's training and God's information in relationships. If God is for us, who can be against us? For his own son, he gave himself for all. We are more than conquerors. You will get through this because you're working it through in God's truth. Okay, let's, let's transition now. Okay, so it's not your choice, but let's look at some other aspects of forgiveness. What forgiveness requires. I relinquish my right to get even. Now, some of us like to hold I, IOU get evens. But the scripture says we need to really do not repay evil for evil. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Let God take the leveling. Let God take his revenge. Truth is, most of us don't even know how many often people have done things against us. And, it's, and praise God, we're, we're so oblivious to it. It's just as well for that to be. Because we just don't need it. We can make enough to hurt out of nothing to twist our hearts. Let God take care of being the judge. When we become that person, we add more hurt to our hearts. 
relinquish that desire to get even. And the next verse here is Hebrews 12, which also is a life application section of Hebrews. Be careful that none of you fail to respond to the grace which God gives. Gives, for he does, there can very easily spring up in, the, in you a bitter spirit, which is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many others. When you start getting even, you start cultivating a bitter spirit that can ooze out and contaminate the entire family. Another verse here. This comes from Proverbs 23, 7. The reason I kind of want to focus on this a second, most of us have this as a little plaque around our house sometimes. For as a man thinks within himself, so he is. But this is based on, 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 on the Proverbs 23, 7 is quite lengthy. And it's talking about a stingy person. Do not eat bread of a stingy man who do not, cra do not crave his delicacies, for he is keeping track inwardly counting the cost. Eat and drink, he says, with a big smile. But inside his heart, don't eat and drink too much. Now, whether it's any kind of buried injury, hurt, contamination, selfish heart, he says, you will vomit up what little you've eaten and waste your pleasant words. It is very difficult to have a good relationship when the heart is polluted and not cleansed of forgiveness. You'll make every person in your family miserable. And most miserable is you. Now, I'm going to toss this at you, which I thought is intriguing. You ever heard of epigenetics? Epigenetics. It's a major field of study. It kind of goes like this. Is that in your brain, you have these... Uh, uh, signals that go out of your brain every day of your life. And, and these signals that go through your brain determine, can determine, how you're going to deal with that day. And, and they connect to your DNA code. Now, you can't change your DNA code. But the word epigenetics, epi, epsilon, rho, iota, is uh, epsilon p erota is means before, before genetics, and on, and, and I, I came up with I saw this chart of a, in, a, in, a, in a lab where there's the DNA code, but each DNA code has a tail, and your thought process goes on the end of that genetic code, and can affect the core of who you are. As a man thinks in his heart. A woman thinks in her heart, so is she. You don't have to be like 
that person in your life that scarred your life. You can think differently about this life. You can think differently about your relationships. You can think differently about people. You don't have to be locked into that tragedy. You, you see it all the time. I'm guessing that somebody walked into the Cincinnati Bangor locker room and into the locker room at Rams, and the coach said, this here is Dr. So-and-so. And he's going to give them a talk on how to think today about being Champion. This is our doctor. This is how we are to think and overcome those deep hurts. And respond to evil with good. There's a little quick thing here. Do good. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I thought Bob's thought here this morning on the Old Testament word, bless, brock, lean in. It's not just this do good, but lean into that person. Lean in. Find out something about them. We don't listen to each other very well. We don't listen very well. We don't listen to people that's right there at our breakfast table. We don't lean in. How can I love them uniquely and special? Pray for those who mistreat you. That's when you really know you're, you're getting on top of this. When you can look at them and say, wow, they're miserable. <laughs> How can I approach them to help them in their pain, in their hurt? Now that I am free, how can I help free them? That's acting like Jesus. I've got a couple length of scripture here. Eli, if you just go. So next scripture there. This is Paul. This is 2 Corinthians. So from now on, regard no one, Paul speaking from a worldly point of view. Look. Folks. You're not just Flesh and blood. You're eternal. We've got a different standard here. We're not going to use the world's standards. We're going to use Christ's standards. World probably review. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself in Christ Jesus. Not counting men's failings against them. Remember, Father, 
I'm going to show you how to get this off your heart and your mind and your soul. And I'm going to say this, the son to the father about his children who are crucified. Somebody has to step up. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We're representing Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. It's back to the cross so that in him we might become the righteousness of God as God's work, God's fellow workers. We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. If you received his grace, Give his grace. That's why he could say in the, the Lord's Prayer, as I have forgiven you, you forgive others. All right, the next one, Leon. Last thought here. Repeat this process as long as it takes. This is a familiar text. Peter is in a discussion about forgiveness in Matthew 18 and Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how often should I forgive? And this word again is release, drop, back away from someone who sins against me. Seven times. Now, the reason Peter says seven times is in the Old Testament it says, do it three times. And so Peter thought, I'm pretty magnanimous. I'll just double it and add one for good measure. And he says, seven times? Look at me, Jesus. I'm a big forgiver. Jesus said, uh, no, 70 times 7. <laughs> now, why would he say that? You see, here's the thing I've noticed about myself. I want forgiveness for me and justice for you. Well, why not? God, I know you're really great, and I know that person's really a screw-up, why don't you straighten him out? And Oh, me too? Yeah, well, you know, how about the grace to me? Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Next scripture there, Eli. Be kind, compassionate to one, and forgiving each other, just in Christ, God forgave you. Next scripture. Oh, hold that one, hold that one. Back, back off that one real quick, because I'll... We've got to hit them to last there, Eli. You know, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, how we, we, want, we want that. We want that forgiveness. We need it desperately. But the people that give it are the people that have received it. And if you are a forgiver, then you're connected. If you're not, you isolate. I'm not trying to dismiss the pain or the hurt or the fault. Let God deal with that. I'm amazed how quickly people's thinking and lives change so quickly. 
and it's easy for you. I can tell you, I could, I could give you a big whooping story this morning about hurt I've felt for my father. But the years that have gone by in my life, I have a better understanding of life and how he faced that life. I'm a little more apt to say, yeah, it's give him plenty of grace, God. <laughs> and let me have a little dip of that too. Okay, Eli. A little quick checklist here as we close. God has forgiven you in Christ. You need that. That's the starting place between you and Jesus. Bitterness makes you miserable. It doesn't work. It pollutes you. It clogs up relationship. The more you hold it, the more difficult it gets. You're going to need more forgiveness. You're not done yet. We all will. And if you don't release, you will resemble your offender. Like one guy said, if you eat the rat poison, don't expect the rats to die. <laughs> Let go. One closing thought here as the worship team comes. A uh, A Jewish rabbi said when he migrated from Germany at the close of World War II, he said, before coming to America, I had to forgive Adolf Hitler. I did not want bring, to bring Hitler to my new country. Whatever that pain is, let God deal with that, with that person. When we generally forgive, we set a prisoner free, and then we discover the prisoner is us. To sing this song in closing. Maybe, Eli, you could put one of those. Well, I guess you can't do that, too. <laughs> Think of some of those scriptures. Forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Let's sing and let's pray.
This morning, uh, we begin a news, a new series of messages. And if you're newer with us uh, today, uh, we, we will, some many times we'll do our sermon series over a series of messages leading up to a specific date or specific time. And uh, this beginning this morning begins our sort of leading up to Easter Sunday. And as we lead up to Easter Sunday, um, we begin a series of messages uh, we've entitled uh, uh, The Words from the Cross. And uh, the words from the cross have often been preached and used as a theme for centuries, actually, uh, in churches. And they focus on the seven last words or the seven last sayings of Christ during the actual crucifixion event in the end of, of, of each of the Gospels. So we're, we're going to be looking at those words from the cross, and some of them, uh, yes, said by Jesus, some of them said by some of the other, uh, the two thieves on the cross to Jesus, and Jesus' response there. So there's going to be a little bit of interaction of different uh, messages there as we, we start this series off this morning. And uh, this morning when we, we're starting the, the first words from the cross, and we're taking those from uh, Luke, uh, the... Uh, uh, 23rd chapter, and Jesus says the words there, Jesus, uh, Father, forgive them, uh, for they know not what they are doing. And um, as, we, as, we look at, as we look at that section, that, that's the focus that we're looking on, the words, first words that Jesus said on the cross, uh, as, the, and as the crucifixion now has already begun, and he's already gone through the trials and all night trials, and he's, he's, he, he is, on the, is on the cross there. And uh, it's kind of interesting when you, when you read this, this uh, verses there, it says when Jesus is, apparently has is, is already been attached to the cross, and he said, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Um, there, there are actually uh, four different kinds of crosses that the Romans used. They, they were, the, the number of executions of, of crucifixions by the Romans is astronomical. It's huge, huge number. And there, there is the, the traditional cross that we, we think of as sort of the one over our baptistry, which is sort of the small T cross. And then there's the top, capital T cross where the, where the cross section is all the way to the top. And then there is the, uh, later there is the, the X cross, uh, that, that was used by the Romans. And then the real simple one, when they're on the road and really busy and didn't have a lot of time to really give a first-class execution, they just uh, got a straight piece of wood in the ground and attached it to the straight piece of wood. Uh, probably what we mostly see in like the Passion of the Christ, we see, we see the, the, the small T cross, and we used to see it quite high and uplifted. Although there's a lot of research shows that most of the time the small T cross was rather low to the ground. We don't usually see that, maybe only about 18 inches above the ground before the person's foot was actually there. In fact, uh, I was shaving a few uh, weeks ago, and of, of all things on the news, they cover a new finding in England during Roman occupation of a crucified person. And uh, and, and it's, it goes, substantiates better the, the method of the small cross, and usually the small cross was done 18 inches, and usually in sort of the usually straightforward cross, which is more artistic for Hollywood, but usually it was sideways, and a pin was driven both through, both heels through the cross, and then the cross piece was like this. And usually it was just small enough. You ever notice how hard it is to squat like that over a few hours? 
And Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. So the topic is forgive, forgiveness. It's tough work. I think it's interesting, as Luke gives that scripture there, as soon as he ends the word, Luke goes on and says, and they divided up his clothing. Now, the last words are often very important to us in our lives. We focus on last words a lot. We, want, we ask the question, what was the last thing that she said? What was the last thing that she did? What was the last thing he said? We, we, we hang on those. And Hollywood makes a big drama of last moments. When the cowboy that's been shot 50 times is still talking. <laughs> you know, his last words. Most last words, there are none. Head of hospice says they really don't say much as you understand. And most folks' last words don't end by closing their eyes. What Jesus said on the last words are important for us to read and study and know, but no more important than all the words that Jesus spoke. And his last words were just, especially this one, is what he's been saying for three and a half years. Father, help them to find forgiveness. He's consistently the same at the end that he was when he started his message. All the way through. So the last words of Jesus, if you look at them, we're just going to go deeper into the life of Christ. So this morning, as I look at the words forgiveness here, and, and I'm going to... I'm not just sure why I, I got the call here to be the first one on this subject. Maybe the staff thought, since I had a, I've had a lot of reasons in my life to receive forgiveness, I don't know a lot about it. <laughs> or I've had a lot of need to give it. But it's hard. And I know that many of you, if not everyone in this room, has had to reach down deeply and forgive. I know it's not easy. Next slide here is 1 Corinthians 13, 5. And I talked to Eli this morning. So Eli and I don't do this every, every Sunday, so we have to kind of coordinate this together here. But love does not keep a record of wrong that others do. And this comes from the love chapter. Uh, it's called the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. It's really big and popular at marriages, at weddings, rather. And uh, it's not really popular in marriage, but it's good weddings, really popular in weddings, it's really big at weddings. And uh, it, it lasts, at least the honeymoon, most generally. But, uh, but the interesting thing about this, one of the hardest things for love to do is forgive. 
And the couples that stayed married the longest are the ones that figured out how to do that best and do it consistently. And I'll tell you, it's not pretty. But they do it. They do it. That makes the difference. The single most difficult thing to do, because forgiveness is connected to love, and they go together. They have to go together. They have to go together in a marriage, and they have to go together in a church, and they have to go together in any and every and all relationships if you're going to have one. So I'm going to take a look. I'm going to kind of do a quick breakdown here this morning of what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not, it is not conditional. It's not, well, I will forgive you if. There's no ifs. It, 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 it's, it's, it, it's, it isn't conditional. Now, I'm going to go through a few scriptures here, but I want you to know that this scripture comes from the fifth, the, excuse me, the sixth chapter of Matthew. Now, the reason why that is, give you a big picture run out here. The sixth chapter of Matthew is the, is the center of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is, is the introductory material, the longest single discussion of dissertation of Christ in the whole Gospels. It is the introduction saying to his, he's rolling out this grand introduction to his earthly ministry three and a half years before the cross, and he's saying there, I want you to understand that inside, the first chapter talks about the, the, blessed, the, the Beatitudes, but that sixth chapter talks about how you live life. The daily nitty-gritties of life, and some of the questions come up how you, and not only how you live it, but how you live it inside your gut, how you live it inside your heart, where nobody else sees you, but you know you. So when he gives that, he says, Father, forgive us our debts. Now, that might be a little interesting, a little bring back your mind. This is, this is the section that's called the Lord's Prayer. That of all the things I find that people can have some memory of, is this one. Father, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, I, I, looked at this trans, I looked at a number of versions, and they use the word debtors here. Where is generous? <laughs> we get stuck on fancy words. Our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive me... Now, here is God's conditional clause. Not ours. We don't have condition. He does. Now, the big difference is he's God and we're not. Okay, that's, a, that's important to understand to grasp in life. And he says, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not, this is Jesus speaking, if, if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. That's the terms with God. Now, 
for you can now I, I I can forgive I can forgive Greg's sin against me. It's not gonna do I mean we can work it out. But that's not gonna send him to heaven. Because I'm not God. But what it does do between you, me and Greg, it opens a channel of relationship. And that is exactly what God wants to accomplish between myself and Greg, is keep a channel of relationship open. Forgiveness shuts it down. Now, let me toss this out right quick before I forget this. The word forgiveness This, the simplest definition of forgiveness is release. It, it, it appears many times in the New Testament. Forgiveness, the word is release, to let go. When, uh, uh, Andrew and, and, and uh, uh, Peter left their nets the word there is the word release. They released their nets and went away. Release and go away. So God is asking us to do that. So it opens up a channel of communication. It pleases God because see, that's the condition. And it opens up hope for the relationship. It's getting out of the way so God can get his work done. Now, another thing here, it is forgiveness is, is not minimizing the seriousness of an offense. Now, Matthew 18, there's bunches of scriptures on, on sections of forgiveness. Matthew 18, 7, Jesus says, and you know, he would just tell the truth. He says, such things must come. And he goes on to the big discussion on offenses. Here's the clue. Here's the key. You will be offended. Anybody not been offended in this room? Anybody not had hurt feelings in this room? If you haven't, I have a guarantee for you. You will. You will be hurt. Jesus says that, 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 that we will be offended and there's no way, way around it. Your brother has something against you. In Matthew 5 here, again, in Matthew 6 and Matthew 5, he's talking about life application as a Christian. Not just when Jesus is there, but now when Jesus is here. Life application. Your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there in the front of the altar. Now, now one of the things I'm, I didn't quite make clear, I don't think, is that I'm talking about Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of, of, of offense. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation. I would say probably 99.99% of you have. Have you ever hurt somebody's feelings and didn't know it? Of course we have. I specialize in that. You know, and, 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 usually, and usually, the first thing that bubbles up is, get over it, man. 
are you just a little sissy? Buck up. What, what's wrong with you? You're so touchy. But we get that done. And so the offense here, and Jesus says, if your brother has something against you, and let's tell the truth, sooner or later, even dense people begin to sense there's something not right between us. You ever get that? Most of the guys get it. The ladies get it seems sooner, a little more relational. Give most guys six or seven months, they'll figure out what happened six or seven months ago. But, 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 he, but he says here, if someone has something against you, you can go and ask them. You can approach them and, and say, well, what, what is it? You know, I, I, just, I just don't feel like our relationship is working quite the best. Is there some way we could, we could, we could is there something that maybe I don't understand? Could you help me? And it's really important for you to tell the truth then. And be able to step up and say, well, yes, there's something that's come between us that I need to share and be able to do. And he says, then leave your gift at the altar. Don't do religious stuff. Leave your gift at the altar, roll up your sleeves, and wade into the relationship. I know how, I, I, can, I can give you all kinds of good, you can say, well, it happened a long time ago. I wonder why they still feel that way. Must have been pretty deep. <coughs> Believe your gift at the altar and first go. In Greek, the word go means go. <laughs> Don't put it off. That just gives more ground to Satan and allow you more rationalization why it wasn't your fault. At least clear the air. Go and be reconciled to your brother, then come off of your gift. He's not saying don't do something, don't pray, don't connect with Christ, don't connect with the Word, don't work through this spiritually with the Word of God, but it does mean don't just stop there. Engage in a person's life. Next thought here is what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not resuming a relationship without changes. Now I'm going to launch into some deep water here. So this is a dialogue that takes place in the book of Acts between uh, uh, um, Barnabas and Paul. There's a, a riff happens going out on the mission field, and the riff goes like this. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, the gospel writer Mark, apparently a young man. He wanted to take John Mark with them, but Paul did not think it wise. He had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Now, you, you kind of wonder, when, when Dr. Luke wrote this, He's underscoring a few things here. He deserted and he didn't continue. That's kind of about the same thing there. <laughs> underscore, underscore. This kid's a queer. He left us high and dry. We were, we were under a lot of pressure and he walked out. 
He, he didn't care. And we were desperate for his companionship and we needed him and he walked away. But in 2 Timothy 4.11, which is the last book of Paul writes, just before he loses his head, <laughs> this is a little curious. Paul says, only Luke is with me. <laughs> Maybe all he could say was, get a booster, get a booster, I don't know. He says, only Luke is with me. Dr. Luke? Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in ministry. So John Mark changed. John Mark grew. John Mark matured. John Mark became useful and productive. And you could lean on him. And you could lean on him in a Roman prison because he was going to get there and he was going to carry the load. There is a difference between restoring a relationship of offense or hurt and forgiveness. Several texts, and we'll go into them, but demonstrating genuine repentance must demonstrate genuine sorrow. And genuine repentance must demonstrate restitution. There's other significant scriptures we go into in quite detail that you sometimes you need to put your money where your heart is or put your time there or your effort or your sweat in rebuilding that relationship. And offenders must rebuild trust in proving they have changed over time. Just use this as an example. It could be multiple things. You fill in the blank here. An abusive spouse batters his wife or husband and does it repeatedly over and over until the family and spouse says no more. You're harming me, you're harming the family, you're harming the children, you're out of here. So that person comes back and says, I'm sorry, I'm ashamed of what I've done, please forgive me, will you forgive me? Jesus is, the, the, that Jesus' way is to forgive, it, 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 but it doesn't mean that that person can just return home without change. And healthy forgiveness invests in cleaning up and doing the things to demonstrate heartfelt transformation. If you want another tougher scripture, go to Matthew 18, and Matthew 18 wraps it up like this. See, you, Jesus uses uh, an illustration there that talks about forgiveness. And we'll talk about that in just a second as we close here. Forgiveness is not forgetting uh, what, uh, what happened. Now, th this is a little, uh, I, I think, a hopeful thing here. 
you've heard it to say, forget and forgive. I know people that have perfect memories about things that happened to them that hurt them 25 years ago, 50 years ago. There's nations that remember what happened to their nation when they were invaded 100 years ago and are still carrying that hatred. The deeper the hurt, the more impactful it goes into our memories. And especially when we're young, young and, and, and children, the deeper that hurt happens, it penetrates deep into that child's memory. Some traumatic injuries, post-traumatic injuries, trauma that takes place. Seventy-five, eighty years ago, when soldiers came back from the World War in Europe, we could call it shell shock, PTSD today. Traumatic injuries go deep into our souls, into our minds, and and, and it's not. It's a, I still remember, so it's still there. The book of Romans says, we know that in all things God works together for good that loves him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, being called according to his purpose is becoming that conduit for healthy relationship. And this chapter 8 is a part of the sequel of Romans of 6, 7, and 8. And eight is the climax of the joy of, of coming to Christ. Not because you came and you, re, and you stayed perfect, but because you worked through all the stuff according to God's training and God's information in relationships. If God is for us, who can be against us? For his own son, he gave himself for all. We are more than conquerors. You will get through this because you're working it through in God's truth. Okay, let's, let's transition now. Okay, so it's not your choice, but let's look at some other aspects of forgiveness. What forgiveness requires. I relinquish my right to get even. Now, some of us like to hold I, IOU get evens. But the scripture says we need to really do not repay evil for evil. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Let God take the leveling. Let God take his revenge. <laughs> Truth is, most of us don't even know how many often people have done things against us. And, it's, and praise God, we're, we're so oblivious to it. It's just as well for that to be. Because we just don't need it. We can make enough to hurt out of nothing to twist our hearts. Let God take care of being the judge. When we become that person, we add more hurt to our hearts. 
relinquish that desire to get even. And the next verse here is Hebrews 12, which also is a life application section of Hebrews. Be careful that none of you fail to respond to the grace which God gives. Gives, for he does, there can very easily spring up in, the, in you a bitter spirit, which is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many others. When you start getting even, you start cultivating a bitter spirit that can ooze out and contaminate the entire family. Another verse here. This comes from Proverbs 23, 7. The reason I kind of want to focus on this a second, most of us have this as a little plaque around our house sometimes. For as a man thinks within himself, so he is. But this is based on, 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 on the Proverbs 23, 7 is quite lengthy. And it's talking about a stingy person. Do not eat bread of a stingy man who do not, cra do not crave his delicacies, for he is keeping track, inwardly counting the cost. Eat and drink, he says, with a big smile. But inside his heart, don't eat and drink too much. Now, whether it's any kind of buried injury, hurt, contamination, selfish heart, he says, you will vomit up what little you've eaten and waste your pleasant words. It is very difficult to have a good relationship when the heart is polluted and not cleansed of forgiveness. You'll make every person in your family miserable. And most miserable is you. Now, I'm going to toss this at you, which I thought is intriguing. You ever hear of epigenetics? Epigenetics. It's a major field of study. It kind of goes like this. Is that in your brain, you have these uh, uh, signals that go out of your brain every day of your life. And, and these signals that go through your brain determine, can determine, how you're going to deal with that day. And, and they connect to your DNA code. Now, you can't change your DNA code. But the word epigenetics, epi, epsilon, rho, iota, is, uh, epsilon, p, erota, is, means before. Before genetics. And, on, and, and I, I came up with, I saw this chart of a, in, a, in, a, in a lab where there's the DNA code, but each DNA code has a tail. And your thought process goes on the end of that genetic code and can affect the core of who you are. As a man thinks in his heart, a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. You don't have to be like 
that person in your life that scarred your life. You can think differently about this life. You can think differently about your relationships. You can think differently about people. You don't have to be locked into that tragedy. You, you see it all the time. I'm guessing that somebody walked into the Cincinnati Bengal locker room and into the locker room at Rams and the coach said, this here is Dr. So-and-so. And he's going to give them a talk on how to think today about being a champion. This is our doctor. This is how we are to think and overcome those deep hurts. <clears throat> and respond to evil with good. There's a little quick thing here. Do good. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I thought Bob's thought here this morning on the Old Testament word, bless, brock, lean in. It's not just, just do good, but lean into that person. Lean in, find out something about them. We don't listen to each other very well. We don't listen very well. We don't listen to people that's right there at our breakfast table. We don't lean in. How can I love them? Uniquely and special. Pray for those who mistreat you. That's when you really know you're, you're getting on top of this. When you can look at them and say, wow, they're miserable. <laughs> How can I approach them to help them in their pain, in their hurt? Now that I am free, how can I help free them? That's acting like Jesus. I've got a couple links of scripture here. Eli, if you just go. So next scripture there. This is Paul. This is 2 Corinthians. So from now on, regard no one, Paul speaking from a worldly point of view. Look. Folks. You're not just flesh and blood. You're eternal. We've got a different standard here. We're not going to use the world's standards going to use Christ's standards. Word of review. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself in Christ Jesus, not counting men's failings against them. Remember? Father. 
I'm going to show you how to get this off your heart and your mind and your soul. And I'm going to say this, the son to the father about his children who are crucified. Somebody has to step up. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We're representing Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. It's back to the cross. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God as God's work, God's fellow workers. We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. If you received his grace, give his grace. That's why he could say in the, the Lord's Prayer, as I have forgiven you, you forgive others. All right, the next one, Leon. Last thought here. Repeat this process as long as it takes. This is a familiar text. Peter is in a discussion about forgiveness in Matthew 18, and Peter asks Jesus, Lord, how often should I forgive? And this word again is release, drop, back away from someone who sins against me. Seven times. Now, the reason Peter says seven times is in the Old Testament it says, do it three times. And so Peter thought, I'm pretty magnanimous. I'll just double it and add one for good measure. And he says, seven times? Look at me, Jesus. I'm a big forgiver. Jesus said, uh, no, 70 times seven. Now, why would he say that? You see, here's the thing I've noticed about myself. I want forgiveness for me and justice for you. Why not? God, I know you're really great, and I know that person's really a screw-up. Why don't you straighten them out? And Oh, me too? Yeah, well, you know, how about the grace to me? Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Next scripture there, Eli. Be kind, compassionate, to one, and forgiving each other, just in Christ. God forgave you. Next scripture. Oh, hold that one. Hold that one. Back, back off that one real quick. because I've got to hit down the last there, Eli. You know, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, how we, we want, <laughs> we want that. We want that forgiveness. We need it. Desperately. But the people that give it are the people that have received it. And if you are a forgiver, then you're connected. If you're not, you isolate. I'm not trying to dismiss the pain or the hurt or the fault. Let God deal with that. I'm amazed how quickly people's thinking and lives change so quickly. 
And it's easy for you. I can tell you, I could, I could give you a big whooping story this morning about hurt I've felt for my father. But the years that have gone by in my life, I have a better understanding of life and how he faced that life. I'm a little more apt to say, yeah, it's give him plenty of grace, God. <laughs> and let me have a little dip of that too. Okay, Eli. Little quick checklist here as we close. God has forgiven you in Christ. You need that. That's the starting place between you and Jesus. Bitterness makes you miserable. It doesn't work. It pollutes you. It clogs up relationship. The more you hold it, the more difficult it gets. You're going to need more forgiveness. You're not done yet. We all will. And if you don't release, you will resemble your offender. Like one guy said, if you eat the rat poison, don't expect the rats to die. <laughs> Let go. One closing thought here as the worship team comes. A, uh, a Jewish rabbi said when he migrated from Germany at the close of World War II, he said, before coming to America, I had to forgive Adolf Hitler. I did not want bring, to bring Hitler to my new country. Whatever that pain is, let God deal with that, with that person. When we generally forgive, we set a prisoner free, and then we discover the prisoner is us. To sing this song in closing. Maybe, Eli, you could put one of those. Well, I guess you can't do that, too. <laughs> Think of some of those scriptures. Forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Let's sing and let's pray.